Welcome to the Church at Rocky Peaks downloadable messages and podcasts. This week, we continue our three-part series entitled, The Heart of a Servant. Well, today we are continuing this series. In fact, we're finishing this series. We're in the last couple of weeks, just a short series, on the heart of a servant. And if you know, if you've been here the last couple of weeks, the first week, we took a look at the life and the teaching of Jesus. And we, what we saw is that Jesus at his core was a servant. That service for him wasn't something optional part of the Christian life. That service was part of someone who he was. And so if we're going to grow up and become like Jesus, uh, the student has become like the teacher, it means that this is be part of our core identity. Uh, we saw that service is also the path to fulfillment. That Jesus said, if you want to get the most out of life, here's the path, walk through the door of service, right? Remember that? And then last week we looked at the life of John the Baptist and we learned from him that service is, is not about us. It's not even about the assignment because sometimes we love the assignment, sometimes we don't love the assignments. But this, that service really flows out of our love for our friend. And so we, we talked about the last week. Well, today we come to the most practical message of the series. And it's really about how to find your place in service. How do you find the, the, the place in life where God has uniquely shaped and called you to make an impact in his kingdom and specifically here at Rocky Peak? Now, I know for many of you, you've already found your place of service. You know how God's wired you and you found your place. And you're just like saying, Mike, if anything, I'm burned out, you know. And so uh, I don't need more places. And I understand that. And so today for you will be a message of affirmation. Well done. You found the place. You're doing your thing. You know, well done, good and faithful servant. Um, But for, uh, and for some of you, it'll be a reminder that, hey, you found your place of service. Don't be distracted by all the other opportunities. You know, stay focused on what God has uniquely called and gifted you to do. But for many of us here, I think, at the church, that there's many of you that I've talked to and all, we've met the last year, that I think your heart is there to serve, especially as a result of the series we've been in, that you just, God is working in your heart, and you want to find your place of service, but you don't know where to, where to begin. How do you find how God has shaped you? And so today we're going to be looking at that, and we're going to be talking about how God has uniquely equipped you for your place of ministry. Now, the interesting thing is, when we think of ministry in our culture, especially when we think of the word minister, You know, we think of the word minister, what comes to mind? We we think of the paid professional, right? We think of the person who's gotten a seminary or training, and so they're like a pastor, or they're like a priest, or they're a bishop, or something like that. And so we think of ministry and ministers, we think of the professional. But you know, in the Bible, what the Bible actually teaches us is that we're actually all called the ministry. In fact, we're all actually called priests. And so we're going to be studying that today, and we're going to start off in the little book of 1 Peter. So if you take your Bibles out, turn to 1 Peter, it's to the right in your Bible, way towards the back. It's written by a man named Peter, thus the name. Written by the Apostle Peter. Now let me set the stage, we're in chapter 2. And uh, we're going to start at verse 4. This is a book written to brand new Christians, people who had just come to Jesus, and Peter's trying to help them understand what it takes to grow up in their Christian life. How do you become like Jesus? He wants them to understand their unique calling as ministers, as, um, as uh, priests even. And so in verse 4, he says, As you come to him, as you come to Jesus, you're new Christians, you're coming to Jesus, and he's like the living stone. In the Old Testament, it was predicted that one day the Messiah would come. He would be the cornerstone of a whole new building, a whole new thing that God was doing. So you're coming to him as the living stone. He was rejected by men, but he's chosen by God, precious to him. You also like living stones. He says, hey, church at Rocky Peak, each of you is like a, a stone in this building that God is building. Have you ever built like a, uh, uh, you know, like a retaining wall or anything out of block, you know, a block building? You know that you really can't like skip a stone, right? You can't, you can't, you can't just skip a brick, 
You know, it's like, hey, the whole thing becomes vulnerable. Every stone is important in the building. And so he says, hey, Jesus is like the cornerstone, but God's doing something new in your community. He's building a new temple. He wants to live in your midst. He wants to express himself. He wants to show up at your church. But every one of you, you're like a living stone. You have a role to play. And he says, so every one of you, are, are, you're, you're being built into a, a spiritual house, like a temple. And you're to be a holy priesthood. There's our word. That here at the church, Rocky Peak, we're all called to be priests offering spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. Now skip down to verse 9. He says, "Um, you are a chosen people. Church at Rocky Peak. Hey, you're a chosen people. God's chosen you. In fact, you're a royal priesthood. There's that word again. In fact, you're a holy nation. You're a people that you belong to God. And the whole point is so that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness, your old life, into his wonderful light. He says, hey, church at Rocky Peak, I've called you together. You're to be a beacon on a hill. You're to be the light on the hill. The whole point I've called you here is so that you can show people what I'm really like. That's your job in life, is to declare the praises of the one who's given you this whole new life so that others can come to know you. And you each have a role. You're like this new temple. You're like living stones. In fact, you're like priests. Now, I realize that for some of us here, being a priest may not conjure up good uh, images in your mind, (laughs) some some of your background. But let me just focus in on that. In the Old Testament, a priest was someone who had special access to God. They had a unique relationship with God. And also, they had a unique calling to ministry, to serve him, right? That's what a priest was. And that's what he says. Church at Rocky Peak, you're each called to be priests. What does that mean? You have a unique relationship with God through Jesus now, right? You don't need any other intermediary. You can go straight to God on your own. And you have a unique calling on your life to serve others and bring them to him you see you you each of us are a priest now in the new testament the bible uses several different words to help us get at this new calling in our life we've seen some here living stones temple priests another popular one you may have heard of is in the body that we're called the body of christ jesus is the head we're like the body right we're the arms the hands the feet of jesus we each have a part to play but all the analogies are saying the same thing that if you've come to jesus there's a unique calling in your life there's a unique calling on us as a church we're not here just for ourselves we're here for outside but we can't attain that we can't achieve that goal without each playing our part we each have a part to play So what I want to do as we start off today is I want to just take a quick flyby of the New Testament of some passages that talk about this unique calling in our life as priests, as servants, as um, stones, and that sort of thing. So they're on your note sheet. I just printed them out to save some time. But let's start off with one in Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 10. You see that there? It says, first of all, we are God's workmanship. He says, uh, church here in your individual lives, that we are God's workmanship, that Um, we're God's project. Like God's doing a remodel on your life. He's doing a remodel on our church. And and he is the, like the general contractor of this thing. So, So we're his project. We're his workmanship. And we were created in Christ Jesus. Why, why were you born again? Why did God call you in his kingdom? Well, he says to do good works. There's servants. We've been studying what it means to be heart of a servant. So he's got things planned for us. And notice that God has prepared in advance for us to do. You see, when you come to Jesus, God's not up there trying to figure out what to do with you. You know, like, like when you come to Jesus, you imagine the Father going, gee, I never thought this one would come. You know, I, I don't think they'd ever, I've been working on them for years. I don't think they're, Jesus, what do you think we should do? I don't have a clue. Let's have them work in security. At least they'll keep their eyes on him. 
You know, it's not like that. That when you come to Christ, that there's been something God has been shaping you for your whole life. See, there's a role. You're a stone. You have a, place to, a, a part to play. Look at the next one. Uh, 1 Corinthians 12. Paul says that a spiritual gift, when we come to Christ, a spiritual gift, which is like a supernatural ability that God gives us when we're born again, a spiritual gift is given to each of us as a means of catch us, of helping the entire church. So every one of us here at Rocky Peak, there's a place for us to play. Every one of you has been gifted in a way to help the whole church. He says it's the one and only Holy Spirit who distributes these gifts. In other words, I don't decide what gifts I get. You don't decide what gifts you get. The Spirit decides that. He alone decides which gift each person should have. Look at the next passage. It talks about how each gift is really important. You know, sometimes in our human way, we look at, hey, this gift is more important than that gift. But the Bible says, no, that every gift is important. It says, in fact, some of the the parts that seem weakest and least important are really the most necessary. And then the last passage here from Ephesians 4, Paul says, he's given each one of us a special gift. We've seen that several times. And as each part does its own special work, so as you carry out your unique assignment, it helps the other parts grow so that the whole body is healthy and growing and full of love. And so every one of us here at the church, we have a role to play. Do you know your role? Now, the question is, well, if we're created to serve, um, how do we figure out how God has been shaping us? How do we figure that out? And uh, how he's uniquely equipped you to serve and where you should be serving. And there's, there's a lot of ways to go at this, but one of my favorite ways is the way they use down at Saddleback, you know, down at Irvine, uh, you know, Pastor Rick Warren, Purpose Driven Life. And, and I, don't, I honestly don't know if he came up with this acronym. They use the acronym SHAPE, and it's, it's a way to get at your gifts and how God has, has, has shaped you. And uh, uh, I honestly don't know if they created it or, you know, Rick just stole it from someone else. It's funny, I, I was just talking to, uh, to a pastor that I was interviewing the other day, and he was from Saddleback, been there five or six years. And, uh, and so I was asking him, hey, I'm teaching on this shape thing. Did you guys create this thing or is it just something you stole? And he says, I don't know. <laughs> so, I mean, they don't even know. But anyway, uh, the point is, it's a way, it's, it's like these are five clues to get at how God has got to shape you for ministry. So let's just run through them there. You notice they, they run vertically down your page, the first letter of the acronym shape. Each letter stands for uh, a word, a concept. And they're like five clues of how God has shaped you for ministry. So number one, the S stands for spiritual gifts. Now we won't have time to go into great detail on this. Later on in the message, I'll give you some next steps you can take. But I want to just kind of go over the, the big picture so you get the feel for this. So S stands for uh, spiritual gifts, and we've already talked about this. When you first came to Jesus, you were given at least one spiritual gift. Now you may or may not know what that gift is. Sometimes we first come to we don't really know. It takes a while to figure this out. Um, some of you have multiple children, and you know that different kids have different gifts, but it's really hard to figure them out when they're one and a half, what those gifts are. This one's going to be an amazing athlete. This one's a great musician. This one's a great you know, pool player or whatever. And so you, know, you don't know what that's going to be. At one and a half, they all look the same, right? But, but those gifts will emerge over time. And so in the same way, when you first come to Christ, you have the gift, whether you know the gift is something else. It will take time and practice to develop that. But you've got that gift. There in your note sheet, 1 Corinthians 12, 7 again, a spiritual gift is given to each of us, every one of us, as a means of helping the entire church. 
Now, there's several places in the New Testament where the Bible spells this out. There are like about four places where it gives major lists of spiritual gifts. It would seem from studying them that they're not exhaustive lists. In other words, they don't list all the gifts. They're more examples. And the reason we know this is because when you study them, none of them are the same. So it's just like, Paul, it's like the different places they say, well, it's spiritual gift. And, you know, for example, and they just give some examples. One of my favorites there in your note sheet from Romans chapter 12 and verse 4 through 8 for the New Living Translation. It says, God has given each of us the ability to do certain things well. Now, how do you know if you have a spiritual gift? Well, usually if you have a spiritual gift, you're going to do certain things well. You're going to do it well. That's one of the ways. You know, if you're not very good at it, you probably don't have a gift. You see, that's, that's the point. Now, this doesn't mean that it hasn't been developed, but it's, it's often the first clue that you have this gift. Let me give you an example. My wife. My wife has a gift of hospitality. If you know Lynn, you've been to our house, you know this. You have a need. She flows to needs like water going downhill in a stream. You know, it's just, you've got a need. You're, you're there and you say, oh, my neck hurts. Would you like me to rub it? You know, uh, you know my feet are tired. Oh, I've got some lotion. You want a foot massage? You know, it's, uh, I'm thirsty. Here's four choices. Which would you like? She just flows to need. It's the most natural thing in her life to flow. Now, I think of myself as a fairly hospitable person. A lot of people have been our, in our, you have been in our home. And uh, I've many times said, well, we just really love the hospitality. You and Lynn are so hospitable. But, you know, for me, it's more of a character trait to be developed. It's not a natural gift, you know. And so, so if, if any area of strength of that, it's just an area of growth and so on. Like elders are supposed to be hospitable, right? It's a character quality we grow in as we grow in Christ. But for her, it's a gift. She's naturally good at it. And that's one of the marks of a spiritual gift. It's something that you just naturally gravitate towards. You're naturally uh, good at. So he says, God's given us each of us the ability to do certain things well. So if you have the ability to prophesy, to speak out a message for God that he gives you for a congregation or for an individual person, he shows you something, he says speak out when you have faith that God's speaking through you. If your gift is serving, some of you have this gift. You you know, people have the gift of serving or the gift of helps. They just have like a radar for what needs to be done. They walk into a room, they just, the radar is on. It's like, hey, that needs to be done. They start setting up the chairs. They They start, in fact, they get mad at the rest of us who don't have this gift. It's like, how can you be talking there? There's work to be done. You know, would you get with it? You know? And so, but people with gifts of serving, they just kind of, they naturally see what needs to be done. And it's usually not upfront things. It's just more kind of behind the scenes. And they gravitate. They're really good at it. He says, if that's your gift, then serve well. If you're a teacher, do a good job of teaching. If your gift is to encourage others. You know, some of you have the gift of encouragement. You're just really good. Some of you don't have that gift, Right? You know, hey, nice try, Mike. This good sermon wasn't as bad as last time. It's not the gift, you know? <laughs> okay, probably not your gift. Okay, here's one. If you have money, see me afterwards. <laughs> uh, I'll put you to work. Uh, share, you know, there's some people that have the gift of giving. Now, we're all called to give, right? Giving's part of our lifestyle as, as followers of Jesus. You know, we give the tithes, we give the offerings, we give to the poor. We've been teaching about that. That's part of our lifestyle. We all do that. You know, you don't have the gift of giving. It's part of family responsibility. But you know what? Some of you have the gift of giving and you just love to give, you know? And it's just so, there's no strings attached. There's no records of it. It just comes so naturally to you. You love giving. I've got a friend like this. It's a gift of giving. Just such a generous guy. Oftentimes people have the gift of giving. Also have the gift of making, (laughs) gift of making money. 
and, and not always, but often that's the case. And, you know, you're with this guy. He's just so generous. It's like Disneyland to be around him, you know. I just love having friends like that. Um, in fact, if you have that combination in your life, a lot of money and the gift of giving, I'll hang out with you. That's what you All right. Um, if God has given you leadership ability, you have gifts of leadership, then take that responsibility seriously. You know what I found? Oftentimes, one of the biggest temptations for leaders is not to lead. <laughs> it's like you just kind of look around and you say, well, let's let someone else do it. Well, the fact is not everyone has a gift to do it. You've got the gift. And he says, hey, if that's your gift, take it seriously. If you have a gift for showing kindness to others, do it gladly. So the whole point is, it's not that we're going to cover all the gifts. There's those three other passages that are there in your note sheet if you want to read more about that. But here's the point, is that when you're trying to figure out how has God shaped you to serve, one of the key hints, key clues, is your spiritual gift. Because very seldom is he going to gift you one way and then call you to serve in something else. That'd be very unusual. You see, he calls you to serve in an area where you can use your gift. Now, number two. The second, H stands for heart. And this has to do with our passions. What are you passionate about? We've talked, you know, every ministry is important, every gift is important, but we're not all equally passionate about the same gifts and uh, the same uh, ministries. And often when God wants to help you find a ministry, he, one of the clues is your heart. Like, what are you drawn towards? What ministries do you find yourself passionate about? Lynn and I were out with a couple for dinner recently from the church, first time we'd gone out with them. And as we're talking through dinner, she was sharing with us that she's trying to decide whether to continue this certain ministry. She's been doing it for about a, a year and a half, and uh, there's been some good fruit from it, and the people that she serves feel like she's good at it and she likes it, but, uh, and that, that, you know, she, she's effective. But she's not so sure she's effective, and on top of that, she just really doesn't have that much of a heart for it. And the more we talked about it, I asked her, I said, you know, it sounds to me like you could drop this ministry tomorrow and never look back. Like you probably never really miss, miss it. I mean, you're doing it because you want to be a good servant. You're doing it because, you know, you, maybe God's called you to it or whatever. But it's really not something flowing out of you. And as we talked, it became more and more true it was. And as we talked, what became evident was she really had a heart for these other kinds of ministry. And so she said, what's your advice? My advice is real simple. It's like, I don't know what God's calling you to do. You have to figure that out. But just in general in life, is I think God calls us to things that we either have a passion for or we develop a passion for. You know, sometimes you start a ministry, you don't have a passion for it, but once you're in it, you develop one. And that if God's not putting a passion in your heart for this, then maybe it's not the area where he's called you to serve. Maybe he's calling you to serve in some of these other areas you do have a passion. There's a great passage in the Old Testament of Nehemiah when he went to build the wall of Jerusalem several times in that book. He says, I didn't share with him yet what God had put in my heart to do for Jerusalem. That's a passion. When God puts something in your heart. So let me give you some examples. Well, you might have the gift of teaching. But, but you might have a heart for teaching. Uh, so that your spiritual gift is teaching. But your heart is for unwed moms. And so you're going to use that gift of teaching. But what's really your heart, so you're passionate about, is, is young moms who are not married. And that's where you want to use that gift. Your heart may be, uh, you may have the spiritual gift of teaching, but your heart is for children. And you look at it and you say, look at we all know that the most important years of a person's life are age one to nine. That's when their life values are set. That's when they're most receptive. This is the most important time of setting a person's life uh, course for the rest of their life. And how can everyone not want to teach children? You see, and so you have a passion for teaching children. 
Some of you may, maybe came to Christ in junior high or high school and you were involved, you had kind of drug abuse or, or you were off track sexually or your, your life was just messed up and you went to a youth group and they reached out to you and the leaders you identified with and you came to Christ and changed your whole life and so now you have a passion for reaching youth for junior high or high school, you see. Maybe it's for reaching men. Maybe it's for reaching women. Maybe it's for reaching inner city. Maybe it's for reaching missions. See what I'm saying? But you can have a one, you can have the same gift, but a different heart. The same gift can be used in several different places. So the first clue is what's your gift. The second clue is where's your heart? See? Where's your passion? Number three. The A stands for abilities. Now, we all have different abilities. Um, some of you are really good with your hands. You just always have been. You can fix anything. You can make anything. You can build anything. Uh, you're just really good at that. And, uh, and it's always been that way. Some of you have special training you received over your lifetime. And so you work in the mortgage industry. You work in banking. You do strategic planning for a corporation. And these are honed skills. And you have special education or advanced degrees. Or you, you see, and often God wants to use... These abilities, that were kind of natural abilities, skills, training, and so on, he often wants to use them for his kingdom. Now, not always. Sometimes you'll find for some people that, that when it comes to serving in the kingdom, they really want to do something different than they do during the week with their job. But for many of you, you're going to find great meaning and, and purpose in life in using these well-honed skills and abilities to use them for something of eternal value. You use them during the week to make, make money, or to make money for someone else, but to be able to use them for the kingdom. See, that would just be amazing for you. And God often will call you to, to do that sort of thing. You see this in the Bible. Uh, a couple examples. The Apostle Paul, uh, before he became a Christian and he started planting churches, he was a rabbi and he had a skill that he'd learned. It's how he made his living. Any of you know what that what skill was? He was a tent maker, right? He made, made tents, which they needed a lot of tents in those days. And so um, when he became a Christian, he, God called him to go out and plant churches. Well, there was no church to support him financially yet because there were no Christians yet. So he'd often go into town and he would use this natural skill that he'd acquired to, to make tents to support himself financially while he planted the church, you see. So it's a natural ability God was using to extend his kingdom. Uh, the book of Daniel, you have Daniel taken from his homeland and, and put through the top schools in Babylon. And he became very well educated. And then God used him as a major leader in the Babylonian secular government. You see, God used all that training to put it to use. And so many times God will do that in our lives. I got an email uh, at the beginning of the year from a man in a church. And uh, he'd written on a few things. And then he said, Mike, one more thing I'd like to ask. He said, I would like to offer my services to Rocky Peak. But what I would like to offer is not being a greeter or security, etc., what I can offer is helping with any maintenance on the facility, like carpentry, plumbing, etc., on weekends. I've been a licensed contractor for 20 years, and up until a year ago I had my own business, so if that would be possible, I'd gladly offer myself. Now, I love this. Could this take the place of greeter, security, etc.? <laughs> Isn't that great? I love that. You know, I'll tell you what. I really see this as the future of our church. Um, let me explain what I mean. You know, these first couple of years, you've probably picked this up here, that I sort of have an agenda for the first couple of years at, at Rocky Peak. And, and, and the first couple of years, we're really laying a foundation in just a ton of ways. 
And one of the ways we're doing it is we're really focusing in on strengthening our core ministries. I believe if you're going to build a great church, it starts with strengthening the core, the cardiovascular system of the church. And so you start with things like your life groups, your weekend services, your, uh, uh, your children's ministries. We've done some things with missions and prayer. And you see God just strengthening the church right now and strengthening our core. But I really believe that in the future, God is going to begin to raise up just a ton of out-of-the-box type ministries after that core is strengthened. That's just going to be amazing to watch. And what he's going to do is he's going to call many of you that have these unique abilities and so on to step out and to start new ministries. And I don't know exactly what it'll look like. It'll look like this guy who emailed me saying, hey, I've got a lot of abilities in the area of maintenance and construction. Can I use those somehow on the kingdom to, to help the, the church in some way? And the answer is absolutely. We've already put him to work. He's doing great, he's doing great stuff already. But there's going to be other things. You know, what's it going to look like? Maybe it's going to be a ministry to single moms where a couple Saturdays a month, some of you guys who, who are, uh, you know, gearheads, you love working on cars, you know, you love fixing things. And we're going to bring you together and, and maybe that'll be a ministry and you will work on the cars of single moms who can't afford to get their cars fixed. Wouldn't that be awesome? Uh, some of you have great skills in the business community, and we have some of you here are underemployed right now. You're in a career path that's a dead end. Your gifts aren't being used. You don't even know what your gifts are. And you would love to find a better career path. And wouldn't it be awesome here if we had some of you who have, who have areas in, in kind of job placement, job development, to have a, a course for you to help you find that. Uh, some of you love landscaping and you love gardening. Wouldn't it be awesome someday to have a ministry where some of you would adopt certain parts of the church to take care of the outside? So when people come up, they'd see God's beauty just driving up. It'd just be amazing sights because of the tender, loving care that you put into that. You see, all kinds of ministry. I had a lady come up after night, last night. She says, hey, I'm a notary. And she says, I would like to donate to the people of Rocky Peak that service. Is there a way we could work that out? So when people think they notarize, instead of them to pay for that, they would just come and I could do that service for them. You know, isn't that awesome? You see, and I just think in the future, God is just going to open up all kinds of things for us. Ministries we haven't even thought of or dreamed of to ways that we can better love one another and love our community and declare the praises of him who's called us out of darkness into his marvelous light. See, each one us as a stone in the kingdom. And so that third area is abilities. Now, uh, number four, the P stands for personality. Uh, God wants to use our unique personalities in his kingdom. Of course, first we have to have one. And so we'll be doing our next series on that. Finding a personality you can live with is the title. Um, but isn't it true that God, we, we're different, right? I mean, some of us are more different. But we're just different here. Um, you know, some of you are big picture people and you just love kind of big picture things. Some of you are detail people. Some of you are real shy and introverted. Some of you are very outgoing. Some of you love like designing a ministry from the ground up. Like if I said to you, hey, we, let's start a ministry for uh, doing automobile repair for uh, single moms who can't afford it, and I'd like you to figure out how to do it. Some of you would just be in your element. You're like, oh, that's awesome. I'm going to check out what other churches are doing. I'm going to come up with a plan. We're going to figure this thing out. And you'd be so energized. Others of you, I'd say, hey, how about if you just come up with an idea of how we can do this new ministry, this cars ministry thing, and you'd be freaking out. You're like, oh, I don't know how to do that. Look, just let me work on fuel injection. That's my specialty. <laughs> Every week, I'll do fuel injection. Same thing. I love it. Same thing. But don't ask me to design something new. You see, we're different. 
And when God calls us to ministry, he understands our personality. He's been shaping us our whole life. And more often than not, he's going to put us in a place where we can use that. You know, there's certain things, we've talked about this before, that as a church, there's certain times we just have family responsibilities. Certain things that we just have to do because we're family. Like yesterday, I mowed my lawn. I'm just so bummed because my, my lawn's growing again. Yeah, right? It's like for three months, I went three months without mowing my lawn. And from the end of December to about two weeks ago, it was good. You know, it's like, this is how life should be. Nice green lawn, you never mow it. It just was, you know, just kind of dormant, looked pretty good, you know. Well, I put fertilizer, it looked better, but... You know, look pretty good. And, and now I've got all the rain. I've got to mow it again. Every Saturday, mow my lawn, right? It's not my thing to do. I don't like it. I take out the trash occasionally in our house. When I feel led. Or more likely when Lynn feels led. Because when Lynn feels led, then I suddenly feel led. But these aren't gifts, you know. It's just part of being a family, right? And so we, we all have to jump in at times, roll up our sleeves and just say, hey, the church needs this, you know. Hey, it's Friday. We need to tear down this, this big set. It's a huge job. And, and like, I don't care if you have the gift or not. Just show up, you know. It's like, we just, we just need to be here. You know, those kinds of things. We all jump in at times. Doesn't, but usually, God is going to use your personality. You know, if you're a real introvert, you hate meeting people, chances are he's not going to call you to be a greeter. You know, I hope not. I just see it now. Welcome to Rocky Peak. Welcome to Rocky Peak. Good morning. Welcome to Rocky Peak. How to kill a ministry, you know? And so, so the point is, it's a, it's a fourth clue that God is usually going to call you to something that fits your personality. Number five. The fifth thing is life experiences. So E is for experiences. Um, God has been shaping each of us from the time we were born, even in our mother's womb. This week in your life group homework, you'll be studying this in Psalm 139, how God has shaped you from the beginning of your life to serve Him. David puts it like this on your note sheet there. You saw me before I was born. Every day of my life was recorded in your book. Every moment was laid out before a single day had had passed. Do you think God has a plan for your life? (laughs) You read a verse like that. I mean, God's on top of it. He has your life planned out. He is working through it. And He has shaped you your whole life. And you think back, it's amazing the life experiences that He will use in your life to minister to others. You know, where you grew up, kind of education you received, how you were raised, good experiences, bad experiences, painful things, spiritual life experiences. Just, he's going to use those things. Uh, in the book of, uh, or the life of Moses, you see this. You can Moses. I mean, here he was. He's born to Hebrew slave parents, floated down a river, ends up in the palace, getting the best education of the day. He grows up just very comfortable in the palace setting, probably knows Pharaoh, first name basis or whatever. Forty years old, midlife crisis, kills somebody. Goes to the desert. Spends the next 40 years learning how to cope in that hot desert heat, watching a few sheep, wondering, God, what's up with my life? How is it all going to come together? He's 80 years old. God brings it all together. He says, I've got a job for you, Moses. I'm going to send you back. You know, those slaves, you understand their pain because your parents were those slaves. You understand their pain. I'm going to send you back because you understand their pain. You're going to deliver them. In fact, when you get there, you're going to go talk to Pharaoh. Of course, you're good with that because you grew up in the Pharaoh. and You grew up in the palace. You understand how the palace life works. You know how the cabinet works. You understand the whole deal. And so you can go out. And then when you lead them out, Moses, I'm going to have you write the laws. Of course, you're good for that because I had you trained in all, this, in, in all the best education in the land. You know how to read and write and do that well. 
And Moses, remember all those leadership skills you learned in your first 40 years? Well, you're going to be the leader of a whole new nation. And by the way, the people aren't going to want to go in the promised land. You're going to have to spend 40 years in the desert. That's why I had you out here watching sheep. You know, I wanted you to get used to the heat. Can, can you imagine if he'd been in the palace his whole life? He goes from the Ritz-Carlton to Barstow. Here's your new assignment, Moses. Next 40 years, you're going to rotate from, going to go from Barstow to Blythe, Barstow to Blythe. That's your, that's your job, you know. It's like he'd be going, hey, where's room service, you know. But for 40 years, he, he knew how to do this. He's like, okay, been here, done that. I know how to do this, you see. See, God doesn't waste a thing. And many times, you'll be amazed at how God will use life experiences. Often, the ones he uses the most are the painful experiences. I, I was sharing this with a staff this week at a staff meeting. We were talking about this whole thing, and and uh, one of our staff uh, guys was talking about his wife and who several years ago had a real serious run-in with cancer. He thought he might lose her. But God has been very gracious to there and she's uh, doing very well to this day. And recently, one of our pastors invited her to come and be a part of a, a special ministry we have to those who are fighting cancer. And can you believe the authority that she speaks with when she comes in that room and talks about, I understand your pain, and she's able to share her story and be part of that support group. You see, God's using that pain from her life. And so many times, God wants to use our pains and our failures as the thing he'll use the very most. That abortion you went through, that molestation that was done to you, that drug addiction that you went through, that pornography you struggled with with years, it's amazing how God will take those evil things and turn them for good, like he did with Joseph. Your brothers meant this for evil, but I meant it for good. And how many times he will take those painful experiences and turn them around and, and, and let it define our ministry. It's the good things too. The people that reached into your life, the spiritual experiences you've had, the way that God has discipled you, he will use those in the life of others. Okay, so that's for experience. E is for experience. Now, so we've talked about how God shapes us over our life. Spiritual gifts, heart, abilities, personality experience. But where do you go next? What's the next step in your journey? If you haven't found your place to serve here at the peak, you kind of get the big picture, but what are some next steps? Because obviously, we don't have time today to really explore all this. You don't have time to give you like a spiritual gift inventory right now. Uh, I don't have time really to go over and say, well, let's really think back to your heart and let's, let me ask you about 15 questions that take you through your whole life and let's see if we see any themes there that are emerging. Hmm. Wow. <laughs> That's quite a cool ring. It's like, so proud of myself I didn't start dancing. All right. Um, just, you never know, you know, until all of a sudden I feel like, uh, you know, just, well, never mind. Um, all right. Just, you know, stick to the notes. Just safer. Uh, so, so let's talk about your next step. Like, how do you explore this a little bit more? Three steps, okay? Uh, number one, uh, check out the opportunities. The first thing you need to do is you need to be aware, like, of all the opportunities to serve at Rocky Peak. Like, what are they? And that's why we've gone to great trouble to help you with this. You know, we have, we put in your bulletin this yellow sheet, this servant fair sheet. It lists over 125 opportunities. There's probably more than that we forgot of, but these are the ones we, we're aware of. Um, and inside of this, if you open up, you can just see, you know, student ministries, adult ministries, assimilation, and there's like over 125, I've told, I've not counted them, but 125 areas of service right now. I'm sure in the future there'll be more as God raises up new ministries, but right now, here they are, Okay. And so one thing you can do is just look over this list and see what catches your eye. What to, hey, that sounds like that could be interesting. 
And then after the service today, you go out and there's a servant fair. And for everyone, believe it or not, for every one of these positions, we've created a position focus. And what it does is it describes the position. Here's what you do. Here's where you serve. Here's the kind of gifts it needs. Here's what's involved in that task. Here's how many hours a week it takes or how often it's done, you see. And so you can go out and get specific information on every one of these positions. So the idea is you'd go out, maybe you pick up three or four, you take them home, you pray about it. Maybe there's one you just know right off the bat. This is for me. We have cards out there. You can fill out the card. Let us know what you're interested in. We'll call you and help you get plugged in. If you're not quite ready for that, take the position, focus home, pray about it. And as you want to try experimenting with something, there's a contact numbers on the back of who to call to get involved with that. Now, if you get home this weekend and you're looking at the yellow card and say, oh, how did I miss this one? Equipment manager for student ministries. That's my lifelong dream. And that's the one you want more information. You say, well, I missed my opportunity. I didn't get a position focus. I'm going to miss my purpose in life. What's going to happen? What you can do is on a Monday, starting Monday, you can go on our website and under the service link, at the very top there's a service link, you click on there, all 125 of these uh, position focuses are online in Adobe, uh, you can just, you know, uh, download it in Adobe file format and you'll have them there at home. Okay, so that's the first thing, is just explore the opportunities, check out the opportunities, okay? Number two, the second thing you can do is you can sign up for what we're calling the new class called Find Your Place at the Peak class. That's what it's all about. We're trying to find your place at the peak. So we're starting a new class called Find Your, your Place at the Peak. This is a four-week course, and it's really the desire of my heart is I would like everyone at our church in the next year or two to take this course because I think it's really going to help you figure out how God has shaped you. Um, we're going to use a SHAPE acronym, but we're going to go into greater depth. So when we talk about spiritual gifts, we'll study more what the Bible says about spiritual gifts. We'll study what the gifts are, what they mean. We'll also have a spiritual gift inventory for you to take to give you some clues as to which gifts you may have. When we talk about the H for heart, we'll have some questions to lead you through, thinking through your life, what God has done, and what is your heart, what's your passion. We'll have some, uh, some inventories for you to take to help you figure out what are your abilities. We'll have a personality inventory for you to take to figure out, help you understand your personality. The whole goal of this course is to help you figure out how God has shaped you and then what specific ministry you plan. Now, I feel so strongly about this that we're going to do this during our weekend services. In other words, that, you know, instead of doing it like on a Thursday night or a Tuesday night, I know that a lot of you are in life groups, you may be in choir, you've got little league, you've got all kinds of things. So it's hard to come out for four sessions, you know, another time. So we're going to do it at the weekend services. And so the idea is that you can just come to church like normal, but instead of coming to the sermon that day, you go and take this course for four weeks. Now, ideally, what I'd like to ask you to do is, you know, come to a different service. You get both. But if that doesn't work for you, and you've got to make a choice. I feel so passionate about this. I'd rather you go learn how to serve because it's about the heart of a servant, right? We've been studying that. This is Jesus' goal for our life. I'd rather you hear me one more time in a, in a sermon you'll probably forget in three weeks. I'd rather you go and learn. See, at three weeks, I was being generous. But um, <laughs> that's sort of in my dreams, you know. But wouldn't life be great? Um, but the, that's what we really want you to do is to plug in. Now, here's how it works. So uh, you come, uh, the first class, we've got room for about 80 people. First 80 to sign up. We'll, we'll get in this first one, then we'll run them throughout the year. But it's going to be on the Sunday after Easter at the 11 o'clock service in the Valley View room. You can sign up today uh, if you want the information table outside. And it's just going to be a great class. Now, 
If you go to that and you choose not to come to a service, make sure you at least download the message you know, and listen to it during the week or get a, a CD or that you uh, uh, get a CD and, and listen that way because we want to make sure we're starting this new series in the book of 1 Corinthians and the first couple weeks are going to be critical. It's laying foundation for understanding the whole what's going on in that letter. And so if you miss that, you're not only going to be out of touch with your life group, but you're also going to really miss kind of the context for the whole series. So it's very important that if you choose that option of skipping church that I just authorized and can't believe I did it, that, if, uh, that you make sure that you hear the message, okay? Now, number three. The third step is you need to experiment. Uh, you know, like a little child growing up, you know, you, you don't know what your kids are good at, so you often you get them music lessons, you get them ballet lessons. Well, I didn't do that, but skip that. You get music lessons, you get the, uh, uh, you know, the uh, uh, swimming lessons, you get the, uh, the sports things going. Why? Because you don't really know what your child's good at. You just try some things, right? And the, then the gifts begin to emerge, and then you can begin to specialize. In the same way, spiritual gifts are the same way, that often you don't know what your gifts are. It's hard to figure it out. A class can help give you some direction, but sooner or later, you just have to jump in the game. You have to roll up your sleeves and start doing something. And when you do that, you'll find out right away, like, what are your gifts or whatnot. And it might take you two or three or sometimes five or six ministry tries until you go, oh, this is it. It's, a right, it's lining up. This is where I'm supposed to be. And so we really want to create a culture here of experimentation. There's a lot of churches that if you sign up to do something, like let's say you're going to work in the twos and threes department, it is basically a life sentence. That when, once you sign up, I mean, you're in there for life. You're not getting away. There's like an invisible uh, cord put on your leg when you go in that first day. And, and the cord's called guilt. It's called manipulation. It's called a lot of things. But it's like, hey, you're not getting out here. You know, has Jesus come back? No. Well, you're still here then, all right? <laughs> so, so we don't want to do that. We want to create a different kind of culture here. And the culture is this. We're here to serve you, okay? And we've talked about this a lot as a staff the last couple of months. Our job as a staff here at Rocky Peak is to be what I like to call the lead servers, the head servers. And our job as a staff is to help you find where God has uniquely gifted you for service. Our job is not to use you to run our programs. Our job is to free you up, to find what God has called you to do. And so throughout this whole church, we're going to be creating a culture that says, hey, you want to try out a ministry? Great. You don't have to sign up. You don't have to sign up for six months or a year or the rest of your life. Why don't you just come and observe for a couple of weeks? You want to see if children's ministry is for you? You want to see if deaconess is for you? You want to see if parking ministry is for you or security is for you? You want to try out soundboard or lighting or you want to help out in the office or lead a life group? Or, let's just try it out. Let's, let's try it out a couple of times. And we want to create an environment that we're encouraging you to experiment. And when you experiment and you come away, if you're energized and you like it and you feel like, it, hey, that's probably the place for you. If you come away depressed and I hope they don't call me back and, oh, that'd be horrible if I get stuck there, good chance, not for you, see? And so when you make these contacts, you call or you sign up for this or whatever, ask, the, 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 hey, would it be okay if I come and observe? Would it be okay if I tried this a couple of weeks? That's our culture here. That's the culture we want to establish, okay? So there's your three steps. Uh, check out the opportunities, and uh, sign up for the, take the class, and then uh, experiment. Now, let's wrap it up. We're going to wrap up the whole series, okay? Three weeks we've spent on the heart of a servant, 
What have we learned? We've learned that Jesus was a servant, right? And we're called to grow up and be like him. Remember that very first week that the student is not above his teacher, but the student, when he's fully trained, will be like his teacher. Remember that? And so our goal here at Rocky Peak is to grow up and be like Jesus. He's a servant, so we're a servant. That he has called us as a church, as part of our core identity here, to have the heart of a servant, right? Jesus taught us that it says we embrace this as we die to ourselves and we live to him in service that will be the path to fulfillment. I believe that with all my heart. And finally, lesson today is that God has uniquely shaped and equipped you from before you were born for the place in God's kingdom and the place here at Rocky Peak where he's called you to serve. And it's vital that we each find it because we cannot be the church he's called us to be. We cannot accomplish what he's called us to accomplish without every one of us in this room finding our place, big, small, or in between, and serving, you see. So that our church, we would have the heart of a servant. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for what you're doing at our church. God, we're just excited about it. We're thankful for it. And we're thankful for this series, Lord, and how you've been teaching us about your heart. God, I've been personally challenged just studying your life, studying the life of John the Baptist, Lord, I find myself just reaching out in new ways to serve and just wanting to be more like you that way. Or just coming to a place in our life where we realize it's not about us, it's all about you, it's all about others. And as we embrace that, we get freed from ourselves and we live life on a whole new plane. And God, we want to be that kind of church. So I pray for each of my brothers and sisters here, Lord, who are honestly seeking, honestly wanting to please you. And yet, those who have not yet found their place and they're seeking you, God, I pray you'd be with them this week. I pray that you'd be with them as they walk out of this auditorium, as they look over the list, as they go to the servant prayer. Would you help them find the place where you've uniquely and divinely prepared them to serve? And God, we do this all because of you. It's not about us. It's not about the assignment. And the final analysis is because we're like John the Baptist. We just love hanging out with our friend, being there at the wedding when that bride's coming down. And that's our joy to be about you, seeing you connected with the people of this world you died for. And we give you our church in Jesus' name. Amen. And what a great three weeks it's been together. I hope it's been good for you um, as we explore together what it means to be followers of Jesus and grow up and be like him, that we would have the hearts of servants. Um, this week, amazing week, we've got a lot planned. Hope to see you here. Uh, I'll be here throughout the week, just at a variety of things. Next weekend, we're going to talk about <laughs> Easter. And, uh, you know, Easter is more than, a, it's more than just a memory. It's, it's a metaphor of life, you know, uh, that we, we have to die to live. It's a way of life in following Jesus. Whenever he wants us to listen to a, a new level, he always calls us to a new death. And we're going to be talking about the grain of wheat principle. Jesus said that, Hey, if a grain of wheat stays by itself alone, it's, uh, that's it, you know. But if it goes into a ground and it dies, then it bears forth much fruit, you know. And we're going to talk about that, how that works out in our life. That, mem- that Easter, not just a memory, it's a way of life. And so I hope you can be here and uh, bring your friends as we celebrate together and we worship Him and we celebrate the truth of the resurrection, that through His death that we live, not just once when we come to Jesus, but every day. It's a path to life. God bless you. Have a great week, and we'll see you next weekend. Well, that's going to do it for this week's message. We hope you've enjoyed it as much as we have putting it together. Please visit us at rockypeak.org, where you can download more messages or have your questions answered. Remember, you can subscribe to our weekly podcast for free by searching for The Church at Rocky Peak from within the music store in your iTunes software. 
For Lead Pastor Mike Yearly and everybody up here at the peak, thanks for listening. 